Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Barria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Barria. Well, welcome to Two Docs in a Pod, brought to you by our friends at WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. Dr. Barria has been part of the WellMed family for five and a half years. She's currently a provider at the WellMed at 9th Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Her interest in medicine began at a young age. Thanks to her uncle, a general practitioner, she used to make house calls with him, and that led her to going on to medical school. Her interest grew, and she eventually went to Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, where she earned her medical degree, completed her residency and an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary's Hospital in Hoboken. And Dr. Barry is board certified in family medicine. And she's the first to tell you she loves it. Dr. Barry, it's good to see you again on Two Docs in a Pod. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Ron. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Although uh, I'm in San Antonio where uh, we've been at 100 degrees for like every day for the last several weeks. All right, then you have us beat here in St. Pete because I was going to complain about how sticky and disgusting the weather's been, but- Yeah, it must be in the I, 80s. <laughs> actually in the 90s, but uh feels like 100. Well, when it's 90 here, they call it a cold front. <laughs> and that leads me to a question. And before we welcome our guests very quickly, because we're going to be talking about this exact subject, how does heat affect your patients? Don't tell me yet, because we'll pick it up as we continue the conversation with our guest, Dr. Bruni Nazario. Uh, she is a physician with Opt Optum at Brandon, Florida, and she uh, is a doctor who completed her internship in surgery at Booth Memorial Hospital in Flushing, New Jersey, her residency at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Yonkers, New York, and she is board certified in family practice. And Dr. Barra, you were telling me off the air that uh, the two of you did your early on medical practice very close to each other. Yeah, I'm from originally from Forest Hills, Queens. So Booth Memorial is in my backyard. So Bruni so, Nazario, welcome to Two Docs in a Pod. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and honored to be able to chat with you guys today. Well, one of the topics that certainly fits with what's happening across this country is an incredible heat wave the dangers of heat exposure, heat stroke, dehydration, heat exhaustion, and a whole lot more. Uh, give us the 411 on that, if you will, Bruni. Well, let's start with the real emergency. And uh, when we get these temperatures, like, for example, we have today, today, if anybody checked their phones on the apps of weather, it is red, 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 and uh the recommendation today is that we don't go out unless it's absolutely necessary because the, um, the humidity today is so horrendous. It's above 75%. So heat stroke is definitely the most serious heat-related illness. And it occurs usually when the body cannot longer control its temperature. The body's temperature rises very rapidly, and the sweating mechanism fails. The body is unable to cool down, and when the heat stroke occurs, the body temperature can rise up to 106 degrees 
over higher within 10 to 15 minutes. And what does that do to your body? It, it literally goes into a big shock. You have symptoms that are very drastic happening, especially in our elder population. But this can happen to athletes, young adults, children that are left in the cars in this um, humidity and temperature. Symptoms are going to come in very fast. And uh, some elders and children are more susceptible. You can have symptomatology from increased heart rate, increased breathing, blood pressure dropping. The individuals can get very confused with the slur speech. They can very rapidly lose consciousness and get into a coma. You can see that their skin is very hot and dry, or they can develop this profuse sweating to the point that can, they can develop seizures, and it could be fatal if it's not treated promptly. All right, talk to me in just a moment, but before we do that, for those of you who may have just joined us, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, and we're talking from down in the state of Florida where Dr. Barria hangs out as well at Brandon, Florida, the Optum Brandon Clinic with Dr. Bruni Nazario talking about what this heat can do to us. So let's step back for just a moment, uh, Bruni, and uh, tell us for someone who may be observing somebody uh, who may, for example, be suffering from heat stroke or heat exhaustion, what are the symptoms you would see looking at somebody? First of all, they're very confused, irritable. They have altered mental status. They're just not feeling good. And uh, if you are witnessing anything like that, prompt, prompt, um, taking the patient, the individual, out of that heat place, put in a cooler place, even if it's a car running with an air conditioner, and we're calling emergency services, call 911, and stay with that person until services arrive. And there's a difference between heat stroke and heat exhaustion? Correct. So the heat exhaustion is when the body's temperature responds to an excessive loss of water and salt, usually through excessive sweating. Heat exhaustion is most likely in the elder, people with high blood pressure, workers in a very hot environment. They can start having symptoms that can include headache, nauseous, dizziness. They're just very irritable, excessive thirst, a lot of sweating, and very fast their temperatures increases and their capacity to urinate decreases as well. So, Dr. Barria, I'm always amazed this time of year and through the summer as hot as it gets to see people working on roofs who may be roofers putting down new roofs uh, who are working in, in direct sunlight, 105, 110 degrees. How do they do that? Well, you know, one of the things that I've always seen the roofers have with them is those igloos, those very large igloos that have water with ice in it, that they're supposed to take water breaks to make sure that they remain well hydrated if they're going to be working outside. And hopefully they're wearing some sort of hat for sun protection so that direct sunlight's not hitting the top of their heads. And can you get used to that kind of heat? Can you become acclimated to it? 
You can, you can, but we would like to hope that they don't become acclimated to it, but I'm assuming roofers do at some level just to be able to continue working outside. But most of us are not roofers, of course. Most of exactly. us, you know, are just folks. Exactly. And as you take a look, Bruni, at uh, the way uh, climate change is occurring and temperatures are rising uh, across this country, as a provider, are, are you and uh, Dr. Baria concerned about what you're seeing, exposure to heat among an elderly population? Absolutely. And um, here in Brandon, Florida, 90% of my clients are above 65 years of age. And uh, it's kind of um, challenging because the body's going through changes. They're taking medications. The heat is on. We have done a great job training our patients to increase their exercise as it has so many ripples in a healthier aging process. So now we have to go back to the beginning and remind them about staying hydrated. Frequently patients say, oh, I drink tons of water, but then they're taking medications that is getting rid of all that water. So I, um, and, and I like to be, keep these things very simple because it's easier to remind the patients, um, just drink as your body's asking it. Um, if you're really going to be exercising, please do it first thing in the morning. I have discovered, and actually I have experienced that, if you go early in the morning to the mall, the malls are open, and that coolness of the air conditioner prevents some of this dehydration, heat exhaustion that could end up into heat strokes. So I'm very grateful that they allow that before the rest of the stores open so that um, the patients can go and do their exercise. When so become a mall walker. Impossible. And Dr. Barry, do you have mall walker clients? Yes, I do. And that's one of the first things that I recommend to my patients for the summer months in Florida, especially because one of the excuses that my patients like to use is, well, it's so hot, I can't go outside <laughs> to take my right. constitutional walk for the day. And it's like, oh, but I have a solution for that. You could go to the mall and walk in nice air conditioning. There are some folks, uh, Bruni, who might say to you, I hydrate. I have at least a couple of beers uh, while I'm sitting outside <laughs> uh, and they're ice cold. Shouldn't that help me? Very, very true. And uh, interesting, my patients do not drink any alcohol because beer is not alcohol. Did you not know that? So, again, I take that opportunity to explain to them, definitely, you really are not helping yourself. I don't mind if they drink some beer after they've done their um, exercise, but even their coffee in the morning can dehydrate them as well. So my recommendation with it. Drink plenty of fluid, anywhere between 8 to 12 ounces of water before you go for a 30, 45 minutes walk. And uh, right now, and during the summer, I ask them to get out before 8.30 in the morning because right after that, the heat is impossible to tolerate and they can injure themselves. We're talking about the dangers of intense heat exposure, what it means and how you can prevent it. If you joined us just now, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, and we're delighted to have her on board, Dr. Audrey Barria, and our special guest today from Brandon, Florida, Dr. Bruni Nazario. Stick with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod. 
Hi, it's Drew Pearson from my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. Appreciate you sticking with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. And on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline, we're talking with Dr. Bruni Rosario. Uh, she is a provider with Optum Brandon in Brandon, Florida. We've been talking about the dangers of intense heat exposure. And one of the things I know you wanted to talk about, Bruni, is prevention. Correct. So I don't want to get patients, individuals on in the community, not to stay active. I want to make sure and emphasize that we still can go out and exercise as long as we take the appropriate preventive measures. And uh, again, it's hydration, hydration before and after, and doing the exercise. Um, a bottle of water with you is probably your best friend when you're in the heat and you're trying to get a mile, two miles, three miles in this heat. Um, my biggest recommendation is anywhere between four to five ounces of water after half an hour of being exposed in the heat. Your clothes is really important. Please don't wear layers because you think that you're going to do better and you're going to drop some pounds because now you're covering. I've seen people like in garbage bags. That really affects the thermal regulation of your body, and you're not going to be able to dissipate all that heat that you're getting in. So light clothes is going to be so much better for your body. So invest a little bit in good, dry-fit clothes and uh, um, not a lot of layers. Also, when you're out and about, make sure that um, there are areas that if it gets too hot, you're going to be able to cool down a little bit. As soon as you're not feeling well, don't push it. It's not going to be good. The body has memory, and if you get into a heat exhaustion and your body just crashes on you, your body mentally and psychologically is going to tell you over and over, don't you ever do that. So trying to be a hero and say, I'm going to get this done is not a good thing for your body. Better a little bit at a time till you develop some acclimatization and you help your body to uh, auto-regulate in terms of the temperatures. Uh, and again, your suggestion, if you're going to walk or exercise, walk in a mall that's air-conditioned and most of the malls uh, across the country welcome folks because when you go in there and if you're walking, you may actually spend a little money as well, which the mall would appreciate. Absolutely, exactly, absolutely. And, and you can have some socialization as well, which is great. Um, now that we're finally getting a little bit out, uh, over COVID, during the COVID time, people didn't want to go out, and uh, I had to through our video calls, our phone calls, just remind them it's okay if you maintain your social distance and it will help your emotional status because isolation do get people isolated and they get sad and depressed. And nothing better to treat that 
sadness than going out for a good, cool walk at the mall. Some and of my one patients of the things... also have benefits in their insurances to go free to a, um, a gym like the YMCA, and those um, organizations have taken the precautions to keep one machine in between the, um, the individuals so there is less chances of getting each other contaminated with anything else. So there are options out there for us. I think you're talking about a program like Silver Sneakers? Correct. Correct. And some insurance companies provide that as a benefit. Absolutely. And then I want to come back, uh, Audrey, to something that uh, Bernie touched on. It really is useful to have a walking buddy. Yes. Yes. You know what? It's accountability. And it's also, you're more, sorry, you're less likely to disappoint your walking buddy knowing that you're accountable to somebody. So therefore, you've got a two for one. You've got a person to talk to on your walk and you're getting your exercise in. Um, I wanted to add something else to the prevention that Bruni was talking about as far as all of the things that Bruni touched upon and wanted to say that especially in the state of Florida with us having all these amusement parks like Bush Gardens and Disney and all of these water parks as well, people are going to be going out in the summertime and all of the things that Bernie said apply to the amusement parks as well. So please, even though you're out there, you think that you might be on a motorized scooter or something and that you don't have to worry about heat exhaustion or heat stroke, but that's not true. You still need to worry about those things, even though you may not be actively walking. That's a really good point. And one other thing, I know a whole lot of seniors and, and others, whether it's Florida or elsewhere, often will take their dog for the walk with them. But when the heat is what it's like, uh, pavement on a dog's yeah. paws can cause serious problems. Yes, it can. Um, and I am a proud dog mom to two dogs, so I know that well. We actually only take them either early in the morning or late at night, just letting the pavement cool off. They do make little doggy footwear, so you could get them little uh, doggy shoes, right? Yes, but you know, Ironically, I used to use the doggy shoes in New York in the snow because the salt affected their paws as well. That's interesting. And dogs don't really perspire. They will perspire the way they breathe and mm -hmm. through their paws. Yes. Talk yes. to me a little bit about perspiration because my wife and I have this conversation from time to time. I happen to be 80 years old and my wife says, you know, old people just don't sweat. I, I can tag along into that. So, yes, the, the body does change as we age, and our capacity to produce sweat diminishes because there is, there's changes in your skin, you're losing your collagen, your elasticity, and on top of that, most of us, when we are in the seventh and eighth decade of our life, we're going to have some type of medication that could impact our fluid uh, balance in the body, so I always like my patients to understand what side effects these medications have and how they impact their balance in their fluids. So if they're taking medications that can affect your sweat, your sweating capacity, you're going to need to be more aware of your fluid intake when you're trying to exercise because if you're not 
sweating, your thermal regulation is not good, and you are high risk and high predisposition to have dehydration, heat exhaustion, and heat strokes. So sweating is not sweating is not a positive. Most of the time, it is not. We want to dissipate that. They're going to have to play this section of the show for my wife. To school this team, correct. As you take a look, uh, Audrey, at the variety of comor- comorbidity issues that people have that may relate to potential serious problems with heat stroke, are, are there conditions that are perhaps at higher risk, problems with the heart, problems with the lungs uh, when yes. it comes to heat exhaustion? Yes, especially people with COPD and asthma he can be a trigger for them to get a flare and that could be devastating for them because that could actually make them wind up in the ICU or even hospitalized. And so they should be very, very cautious, make sure that they're taking all of their medications and to watch the advisories that say, for instance, today that Bruni had spoken about earlier in the show, they had recommended that you don't go outside unless it's absolutely necessary for you to be out there. So heed the warnings and do accordingly. And one of the other things, uh, Bruni, uh, is skin. Uh, We all know about, obviously, sunburn and what have you, but there's some medications uh, that can trigger problems in the sun as well, right? Absolutely. There are many, many medications that we use to treat chronic illnesses that make us more sensitive to sunburn. So along along with the hydration, we have to protect our skin. And uh, I I personally don't leave the house to go and do my exercise if I'm not um, protected with at least an SPF um, sun protection of 30. Um, The sun is brutal and it can cause a lot of damage in the skin and we don't want to get to that point either. So all the benefits of the exercise, we don't want to add risks to any of the good things that we're doing for ourselves. But the flip side of using sunscreen, um, many people, young and old, show a uh, perhaps a, a need for more vitamin D. We're not getting it from the sun like we used to. And that is a real big problem for everybody from teenagers to elders. And um, unfortunately, we have to supplement the vitamin D3 because we're really not exposed and we don't want to get exposed to the sun because of all the damages. So again, if you can get in the sun before 8.30, you're still going to have a little bit of benefit of that sun, 30 to 40 minutes. Five times a week is all we need, so I always ask everybody to give themselves a holiday so they don't get exhausted from the constant um, exercise, and that um, will give you plenty of sun to help with your vitamin D. Some people, that would not be enough, and they will have to supplement it with vitamin D over-the-counter or prescribed by their physicians. So I'll tell my wife to throw me outdoors at about 7.30 and bring me in in about 30 minutes, right? That's it. That's it. You got it. That will give you the cardiovascular benefit. You will not get dehydrated and you'll get your dose of vitamin D for the day. Now, but you still you... have to take your water with you, Ron. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask about dehydration. <laughs> when you talk about dehydration, uh, we see, for example, during a National Football League games, a player... 
often comes off and they say, oh, he's getting an IV now for fluids. Definitely. There are some um, measurements to decide when you're going to get an intravenous um, replenishment. The best thing is keep it simple. Let's do things natural. Let's try to hydrate. Sip, sip, sips, because if you try to take too much um, fluids, when you're in the verge of dehydration or heat exhaustion, you're going to get this gushing sound in your stomach and you're not going to be able to absorb that. But if at any point the patients are not recuperating, even when they're resting and they're getting oral hydration, if the temperatures start going up, if the sugars start going down, if the patient has any um, history of sugar problems, if they're developed cramping, you know that you're going to need to supplement that fluid with intravenous hydration. And, uh, and, and from the clinical standpoint, basically, if I feel the patient is not doing well, a little bit of intravenous hydration when they have been exposed or a history of long um, exercise, I'm going to go with intravenous. Well, I got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. We really appreciate you coming on. Very interesting, Dr. Bruni Nazario at the Optum Brandon Clinic in Brandon, Florida. Thank you so much. For our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us today on Two Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron.